Hello, everybody. This is Joshua Hatton with One Nation Under Whiskey Podcast. I'm joined today. You do sound terrible. I do. I sound terrible. <laughs> not to interrupt, but holy moly. I, I didn't think you were going to sound like that. It's not good. I just, I've been wow. coughing and coughing. So I took, I took a, I wouldn't say a bunch, but I took, <laughs> I, I took sleep aids. A bunch of medications? <laughs> well, I took sleep aids last night just to like get me to oh. sleep because I was coughing. And wow. and I slept through the night, and then when I woke up this morning, it was just, just pure nonsense, just like uncontrollable coughing, coughing, coughing. Wow, this is hashtag please consume all sleep aids responsibly. <laughs> but I double checked COVID, so I started feeling ill the other day. Took a COVID test, and then I waited another couple of days, took another COVID test just to see if that was it. Yeah. And I don't, I don't have a fever. I'm just clogged up. Yeah. I need Roto-Rooter, Jason. Yeah. Well, let's, let's see how far we get. You've got a glass of water there to keep the, the throat refreshed. I did. I drank and it it's all, empty. Well, it's empty. <laughs> I drank it all. No tea with honey over there? No, there is no tea with honey. Oh, that's oh, a bummer. I could use some tea. With, I could use a little hot toddy, Jason. Mm. Do you ever do that? I don't think the drugs that you're on should be partnered with whiskey right now, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> do you ever do that? <laughs> Hashtag a- please combine. <laughs> oh, Mucinex is a brand name. I'm not going to say Bruce Mucinex. Cut ever- that part. <laughs> do you ever do a hot toddy when you're sick? Hell no. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Talk about a declarative <laughs> statement. Hell to the no. Why? What? So what... what- so A, why do you not? And B, why not? Because do you know what's much, much, much easier than making a hot toddy and has the exact same effect? A butt chug. <laughs> a vodka suppository. <laughs> no, I don't I don't use sherry. That doesn't make any sense. Um, no, I pour a dram of whiskey and I drink it. Done. Over. Finito Benito. Easy peasy. Wow. You just got so, like, obstinately Scottish just there. No, I don't do it. I just drink a whiskey. Ah, Hot toddy is what you give the kids when they're sick. (laughs) Christ. Christ. It's not what grown men are taking. Uh, Christ. So are you suggesting Uh, I have a pour of whiskey? Absolutely. No, you just took took medications. But what do we pour? (laughs) See, that's what my approach is. I don't take the over-the-counter medications. I just you, pour the whiskey. Have you considered mixing? <laughs> I assume that's what you meant by hot toddy. <laughs> I feel as if we need to pour a little something to help right. me through this. All right. What's your highest ABV on your shelves? My <laughs> high... if you're going to drink with over-the-counter medications, you need to make sure it's with high ABV stuff. I have a bottle of the Fijil seven-year-old Octomore X, X4 Four? plus seven. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Should I pour that? Get it poured. Oh my gosh, Jason. This is going to happen. Here it comes. <laughs> you're going to fall asleep during this recording. Nothing is more certain. <laughs> <laughs> I just need as to grab I, a glass As I watch Joshua pull What's almost clear liquid From his shelves And then wander Off camera To find a glass somewhere 
in his house on a cul-de-sac somewhere in upstate Connecticut. (laughs) (laughs) Joshua has just reiterated upstate Connecticut from off camera and off mic. Upstate Connecticut, especially when I'm on the shoreline. I'm like, if anything, I'm downstate Connecticut. I thought you'd appreciate that. <sighs> so, <laughs> did, did give me a good chuckle. So, this is the 2014 Fijil bottling. And you'll see, look how much I've drunk of this. Half? Yeah, over the past For the benefit of our viewers. Over the past eight years, I've drunk half this bottle, and it is. Ready for the ABV, Jason, and listeners? Uh, absolutely, yeah. 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 yeah, this actually isn't the highest ABV I have, but it's the closest to me. 69.5%. 69.5? Yeah. There you go. I don't know what that is in proof. You could do the math. If sound like I don't think we need do to, do we? No. <laughs> I don't think we need to. So what are you pouring? Well, I'm, I'm actually going to... On my desk here, I've got a little half sample remaining. This came in from Elijah. And uh, this is Springbank Local Barley 10-year-old. All right. This is the sherry version ah. at 5.6%. You sent me a sample percent. of that too. Yeah. So I am pouring the second half of this to, <laughs> to get it finished. You know, that, that's how we deal with whiskey. It's just to get it finished, get, just to get it off my desk. As my as my move to my garden office continues to move, I think I think the year twenty thirty will be here. I think my twelve year old will have moved out of home <laughs> and gotten married and started a family by the time I actually get into my garden office. So <laughs> he checks in every day, bless him, and I disappoint him every day, bless him. Yeah, I mean you disappoint me every day as well. It checks out, man. Checks out. Thank goodness it never happens in the opposite direction. <laughs> Thank goodness indeed. So so we've talked about <laughs> how I'm doing. I'm I'm sick. I'm drinking quadruple distilled Octomore seven years in <laughs> a sherry cast. Well, bless everybody. <laughs> We're Blessings, approaching a Christmas carol time of year, right? <laughs> bless everybody. So the listeners know how I'm doing. How's Jason, aside from the fact that you can't seem to move out of your office room and into your garden off, the fact that you have a garden office is is something in and of itself, but... (laughs) Right now I have nothing, Josh. (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) But one day, one day I will have all the things. So besides the fact that you can't move into your garden office yet, how's Jason doing? I'm tickety-boo. I'm 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 okay. I was telling you before we came on the recording here that if if anybody paid attention to the hurricane that was hitting uh, Florida this mm. week of recording, so the the week of what was what was Monday the seventh, so sure. the week of November seven, there there was a hurricane hitting Florida, and it made landfall and immediately became a tropical storm. Immediately, yeah, they were they were really expecting this one to be a big one, and it it just fizzled out, didn't it? Yep, yep. Soon, soon as it hit the land mass, mm. it calmed down, and um, and it's taken a couple of days, but we now have that tropical storm over us, so we are expecting three to four inches of rain over the next twenty four hours. There you go. 
Nice. Yeah. Our fall has gotten very wet. All the leaves that are on the ground are going to get very sodden. And uh, I'm sure we'll see some flooding along the way. So there you go. So it's, it's drich. So this idea of you being sick and pouring something and me being tickety-boo, but the weather being drich and having a wee spring bank in the glass. This is good. This, this is the way it should be. With weather oh. on our minds... Oh. Oh, I know where you're going with this, because you're yeah. a smart man. Yeah, yeah. That was one of the the opening conversations with Dave Broom when we met him at Jack Rose in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. the other weekend. No, no bones about it. We met him on Saturday, November 5th. Mm-hmm. Uh, D.C. was the last stop on his Whistle Stop book tour. And not only was it quick, mm-hmm. he was on a train. So yep. Did he you... was Boston. Yeah. Oh, he's Boston, then he was New York, and Into then he was New DC. York, and then DC. And we saw him on the final day. Do you remember it being the, the 5th of November? Because you're taught to remember, remember the 5th of November? Yep. Could not find a guy to burn, unfortunately. <laughs> The guy is what goes on top of your bonfire. Yes, yeah, I, I did see you try to, you're trying to create an effigy. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't go over well in 2022. Burning, <laughs> burning effigies is is significantly uh, out of fashion. You hear the you hear but, the sirens. They're coming closer. Caps pull up, sir. What are you doing? Just burning an effigy, sir. Just burning an effigy. Yeah, remember, remember, it's the 5th of November. Come on, dude. Get with the program here. So it was very hot, very mm-hmm. sunny, mm-hmm. and it was it was lovely. It was weird. We, we kept mentioning many times that it was weird mm-hmm. to be as, as warm as it was. 25 centigrade for our, our international listeners, uh, 77, 78 Fahrenheit. On the the day, on the 5th of November. So, yeah, my, my, actually my current temperature is 59, which is somewhere around, what, 15, 15 centigrade, even on this. 15, 15, 16. Well, 16 is 61. 16 is 61. So 59 is never going to be 16, so. No, but it's going to get you close. 15, I feel like, would get you kind of accurate, though, whereas 16 is kind of Is 15, 59? Is it, More I, or less. I, I it's like, like it's, 59.7 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, see, I think it's like 15 point something. Yeah, it's certainly closer than 16 being 16. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Is that whiskey helping? Um, It's painful. Oh my gosh, I haven't touched this in a while. <laughs> and 60, is 69 a bit much? 60, well, you know, sometimes it is a bit much. Oh my God, that's like being in the room with my 12-year-old and my 15-year-old. <laughs> Their absolute hands-down favorite number all the time is 69. Constantly. Oh my God, and you just did <laughs> You just gave the same response they do. <laughs> you got to take oh a God. pause. You got to pour a little for your homies in lockdown when that gets mentioned. Am I right? <sighs> so it's a little bit much, a little bit strong. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, it's it still has that Octomore peak coming through, but it's much brighter and it's um I would argue it's a, it's less flavorful. 
mm-hmm. from a from a spirit perspective. Uh, some of the sherry comes through, which is which is kind of nice. But it's I I don't know that seven years in sherry is where it's at. I I would I'm really curious to know if they kept any of this back to see if it got a bit older because I, I feel as if there's there's a marriage here. I mean, you know what I feel as if where the spirit is in conjunction with the wood, I feel like they're still figuring the relationship out. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, it's mm-hmm. still a, it's still a young relationship. They haven't melded yet. They haven't finished one another's sentences just yet. <laughs> um, but I see it. They happening. haven't, they haven't bickered over 15, 16 centigrade being close to 59, 61 Fahrenheit. That's why I think so. it's like 15 point something, right? <laughs> I'm so glad we can revisit this. <laughs> Brought up by me. So do you remember why they moved to, to X4? Why distill four times? I'm hearing you saying, yeah, the spirit is kind of, the spirit itself is lacking flavor here. Well, if you distill it four times, yeah, you are essentially going to be removing flavor. Do you remember why they, they went down that path? I don't remember why yeah. they went down this path. I like it was at a time when Jim McEwen was at the helm, and it like it seemed to be one of those many things where it was like, Phew, what's Jim up to this year?" You know, yeah. and and I just wonder if it was just yet another thing he wanted to play around with, right? If he's creating, you know, the the whiskey made from the most heavily peated barley. There is, like, he's a guy that liked to dabble a bit. Like, well, what does triple distilled look like? What does quadruple distilled look like? So, you know, for instance, when I I think back to our Great Isla Swim bottling, my understanding is that the Brooklotti component to that was a triple distilled product that went into the Great Isla Swim bottling. We've talked about that over the years. And so it seemed to be just another one of these unusual ex- experiments that uh, that Jim did. I don't know if he had a plan for it, but it was like, yeah, Brooklady is being rebirthed. What is it? What's it going to look like? Do, do we need to play around? Yeah. yeah, it's interesting you say. I wonder if they held any back. I guarantee you there is X4 Octomore in well, one of their yeah. many warehouses. Yeah, I'm sure. I, I think they've definitely, and especially listening to you saying this marriage isn't complete yet, they're not completing each other's sentences, makes me wonder if they've got other experiments with with the X4 that they continue to watch. And, and just imagine what this was like when the bottle was freshly opened. You know, here we are, the bottle was at, at 50% filled, <laughs> From 2014, so there's been plenty of oxidation to kind of calm it down, even it out a bit, and and it's clear that you know it's it's still very volatile. Does it, it feel a little one note? It feels two note. What are those two? So it's sherry and peated barley living like I feel as if they're across the border from one another like what one is one is the uh the republic of ireland and one is northern ireland and there's a border going on there right like that's how i feel there's no there's no bombs being tossed here or there but uh i i I feel as if they're about to get along and there may be 
There, there may be a piece some, of cord is in the works. Cord. I think a piece of cord is in the works. Yep. Well, that sounds like a happy ending for all. Wouldn't we all benefit from a happy ending? <laughs> well, wait till my 12 year old and 15 year old work out those words. <laughs> That'll be the next thing that we'll hear constantly in the house. So, so uh, well, spe- yeah, speaking of a happy ending, yeah. How about how about our happiness? In, and our eagerness to interview Dave Broom in person in Washington, D.C. He came down from New York on train. You drove in from Connecticut. Mm-hmm. I drove Upstate Connecticut. In, upstate <laughs> Connecticut. It's a long way to it's a long way to come. Should should I say that and continue the yeah. the ribald humor that we have uh, between don't. the lines of this episode? Hmm. All right. <laughs> no, I don't have to. I, I don't know where you're going with that comment. Like, it was a long way to drive. I get that. <laughs> I was able to to go much Oops. farther when I was younger. Oh, no. Please, but please stop. Please stop. Just continue. Stop. So I drove from Connecticut. You drove up from Virginia. Upstate Virginia. Upstate Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we got to see my person. You and I were just saying in a recent episode... We're going out and we're doing these solo interviews, mm-hmm. and and even doing solo is it's just lovely to see people again and, and spend time with people yeah. again. You and I having a chance to meet in DC, spend time with Dave, Bill Thomas, Roberto uh, over there. See the team. Jack Rose was was lovely again. Um, it 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 just felt. It didn't even feel. It was. Mm a good day it was a good whiskey day that it was yeah and 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 what a lot of fun and and you'll hear us in this interview talk to dave about his book a sense of place which comes highly highly recommended Mm -hmm. you'll hear us talk about the tasting he is about to conduct on that saturday afternoon and and we did get to partake in that tasting and, and hear him present on a sense of place. And that was really, really cool. I, I think you and I talked about this afterwards. You had a, you have in the past attended a Dave Broom presentation and I never have. Yeah, that's, that's right. I was in Scotland May, must have been May of 2015. And we were up in Speyside and we had a, a free day and there was a Dave Broom event happening during the Spirit of Speyside Festival. So I went there with uh, two people from the distributor that we used to work with in New York. And uh, yeah, he was, you know, it was brilliant, right? That was my first time seeing him. And he's one of those, and you and I have talked about this a bit before, right? There's certain whiskey people that you get a little nervous around and and I was definitely a little nervous around him because he's he's a great writer, he's a great thinker when it comes to whiskey. You know, as we t- as we'll talk about in this interview, you know, he has a, a way of thinking about whiskey and writing about whiskey in new and innovative ways that that I think are sometimes unexpected. And so mm-hmm. getting to see mm-hmm. him for that first time was was really nice. And then here we are seven years later getting to see him present once again. And and uh, you know, he was he was Dave Broom once again. And it was it was a lot of fun. 
<laughs> well, I'm going to tie two threads together and then I'm going to throw this over to us with Dave. Beauty. Previously in this introduction, you have mentioned the Great Isla Swim. Oh, yeah. Yep. And our dear friend Michael Nolan wrote in, knowing that we were going to be interviewing Dave. That's right. To say an absolute cherished memory that Michael Nolan has is the group of us, the Great Isla Swim group, being on the ferry heading off to Ire <laughs> Ireland. <laughs> you mentioned Ireland earlier as well. Uh, heading off to Isla mm -hmm. in us sharing that ferry with Dave Broom mm -hmm. and his wife and uh, daughter. His daughter, yeah. And Dave Broom, even though he was on family vacation, made all the time in the world for the group. And and Michael, don't know why I almost called him Mike, I've never called him Mike in my life. <laughs> Mikey. Michael. <laughs> oh, Mike and, Mikey Noli. Up in uh, upstate Illinois. Well, he's Irish too, right? So that's another reason why you mentioned Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm on medication this morning. So, so the fact that Michael had written in to say that was that was so kind of him, so sweet of him, mm. and and being aware that it was family vacation, and we we didn't want to take up a, a lot of his time. We, nope. we certainly didn't want to bombard him, but we were whiskey geeks. And being on that ferry with, you know, Dave Broom was kind of a big fucking deal. Mm -hmm. And and the fact that he played into that and, and had a good time with us. So I think that speaks to the man's character. And, and it gives, uh, you know, all the reason in the world uh, why we really cherish him. And here he is. Dave Broom, did you expect your November trip to the East Coast to be in the 70s slash 20s centigrade? No. <laughs> no, I, I, I left the UK and it was freezing. Uh, and I brought a big Filson jacket uh, with me. And I've just been sweating ever since. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> it's, been, uh, it's been true in Boston, true in New York, yeah, and now true in DC? Yeah, yeah T-shirt weather, you know. Yeah, it's enough to make a Scotsman melt. <laughs> Are you regretting the long hair and the beard in uh, in this temperature? Never, <laughs> never. <laughs> How long have you had your long hair and beard? I feel like that's been a signature of yours. Uh, I've had the long hair, yeah, quite a long time. And the beard, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I can't really remember. Yeah, it must be quite a long time. Okay. It's gone through various configurations, though. The All beard. right, and. Over COVID, I just let it go, uh, like yourself. Yeah. <laughs> back in the day, yeah. back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like you have trimmed the hair and the beard. Was no, that for this trip or that was in general? Uh, yeah, he was getting a bit, a bit too Grizzly Adams, really. So, <laughs> you <know. laughs> but you know, excellent. Yeah, I, I like the way that this this conversation's already. You know, started about male grooming rather, rather than anything else. Manscaping. It's all about the manscaping. Dave Broom presents manscaping. So, so given these types of temperatures and you're here on a whiskey trip, does it get in the way? Has it gotten in the way? Are you in air-conditioned buildings and it hasn't really made that much of a difference? Uh, it's not really got in the way at all. Uh, yeah, I mean... I, I find the air conditioning a bit too brutal, you know, so <laughs> yeah. it's actually, I, I think we, we did a gig in New York and it was a great, great gig. It was, it was actually warmer outside than it, than it was <laughs> inside. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so, no, it's been absolutely fine. It's absolutely fine. 
that's exactly how we run our house. Yeah. And there, there are times I will use the car to go pick up my boys from somewhere and I'll pick them up without the air conditioning running because I just like getting a heat in my bones. And they're always like, Dad, it's roasting in the car. And I always say, yeah, but it's freezing in the house. Like, no, that's the way it should be. So we're raising good Americans. Yeah. Before you go into your deluge of questions. I only have one question. Dave, tell me everything. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously you're, you're, you're on a book tour for a sense of place. What does that look like for you? When, when you're doing your tours, ha, how long do they typically last? Is, is all of that up to you? Or do you rely on your publisher to, to set up things and sort of bounce you around from spot yeah, to spot? Yeah, I mean, this has been pretty brief, simply because of other stuff that I'm doing back at, back in UK, but I wanted yeah. to get over, you know, as the book came out. So the, this is probably a wee bit tighter than, than, okay. it, than it usually is. Uh, so I've been doing more in the UK. Uh, but mm -hmm. I might come back next year to do West Coast or or whatever, mm -hmm. uh, and it's usually, yeah, it's usually the publisher yeah. uh, organising over here, and this time brilliantly with with it, uh, Scotch Malt. Oh yeah. Uh, yep. So so they've helped out, which is magnificent. And over in the UK, yeah, some some uh, booksellers that that we've always mm. kind of worked with, uh, mm -hmm. who've got really good programmes going on, and then there's a couple of other gigs that I've kind of fitted in. Yeah. With friends, uh, you know, who are running bars or, or venues or, or whatever. So yeah, so it's been a bit of a bit of everything actually. Yeah. Has because because you've been you've been writing for some time, and, and as the as bookstores, especially independent bookstores, continue to go away. Now, now, granted, I'm talking the U.S. and maybe things are different in the U.K. and Europe. But as in no, okay, Jason's shaking his head. No, perfect for a podcast. But as these independent bookstores go away. Did you find yourself early days hitting those type of bookshops, or was it always in bars and restaurants and clubs and things like that? Uh, in the UK, uh, actually, the independent book, yeah, the, the independent book, yeah, category, that's the best word, uh, <laughs> has been going really well, actually. Yeah. You know, oh, they, okay. They've seen a considerable uptick, actually. Uh, right. So they, they were allowed to like stay open during COVID, or they'd be deliver books or whatever. Yeah. So that's been good, and that's been positive. So I suppose in the UK it's been a split, okay. uh, and yeah, but because of the health of that sector, you know, yeah. it's great to continue to promote it. Over here, it's always been more your whiskey clubs or whiskey venues or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. so I, I think it's just the nature of the market, yeah, you know, sure. uh, which are kind of slightly different. So. We can't order a visit from you on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd be interested, wouldn't it? Yeah. FedEx had him trim his beard for workplace standards <laughs> on the deliveries he's making of his yeah. book. <laughs> uh, just talking about venues, actually, just to set the scene here, we are sitting on the, the second floor of Jack Rose Dining Saloon in DC. Mm -hmm. The roof is open because of the, the weather conditions that we've talked about on November 5th. Indeed. Uh, if you are hearing car horns, if you are hearing any kind of sirens uh, while listening to this, this is the real deal. This is what we're experiencing as we're sitting here. So. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. And it's great to be back at Jack Rose, which is just... You know, a shrine to whiskey. Absolutely. You know, you know what Amazing. Bill and the, the guys have done to keep this place going through through COVID is nothing short of remarkable. So, yeah, yeah I've, I've always had great, great gigs here. So, yeah, delighted to be back. Yeah, yeah it, any listener interested, our Jack Rose, Bill Thomas episode is 
one of the most complimented episodes we've got right. where Bill Thomas had such an honest conversation mm. about what it took to keep this place open and mm. things that he did and the way he supported his staff. And so I, I was always a fan of Bill Thomas and the team. Um, I'm even more so yeah. a yeah. fan no, great guy. now. He's a yeah. great guy, is correct. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Jason. Yeah. I, I, I was but just. That's it. You, you're finished now. Well, I, I, yeah. I, 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 History has shown that that's <laughs> the last thing you're going to be saying. Yeah. I just, I just feel like I have to, you know. Get in there. No, quick. you know, I, I was just curious, right? There's, you know, I, th I think about authors or musicians or comedians that that you know, comedian puts a new hour together, and he or she has to go on the road. And, and what is that like? And as you're putting out new book after new book, what what is that life? Like not not just from a a venue standpoint, but from like you had mentioned earlier, you decided I'm going to travel the U.S. by train. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. Which is just a lovely way to you know to, to see the country. Yeah. I, I, I just find that great, and I, in many ways, you know, I'm doing a couple of uh, gigs with musicians over oh, over, right. over in the UK, and I think you know simply because of you know the 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 monolith that is Amazon. I think it's even more important to actually get out there and do yeah, a lot sure. of lot of these gigs just so that people know because you know otherwise you might not hear about the book. So I would say certainly certainly you know back home UK wise, I'm probably doing more gigs than, than I have in the past, but but that's great you yeah because you know just getting out and meeting people and trying new things and. You know, it's not just a whiskey tasting. It can be with you know with music, with, with or whatever. So, what, yeah. what music like jazz <laughs> or yeah? Let's yeah, hear about so, that. Uh, right, okay. So I'm, I did one two weeks ago. Uh, I think it's two weeks ago. I can't remember where I am now. Uh, <laughs> a friend, a friend of mine's got a, a brewery, come record shop. Uh, yes. In Fife. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So he asked me to come and come and do a DJ set playing scronky jazz. Which which Scrunky which dress. I did, and it was in Halloween as well. Uh, well, it was a Halloween celebration, so I would do some fancy dress, and then do a talk about whiskey. And he was playing records, and there was also this guy Ken Creosote, who's quite a famous kind uh -huh. of Scottish musician. Yeah. So Kenny did a set as well. So it was this bizarre mashup of wow. uh, of music and talk and whiskey and and dancing and scrunky jazz. And then I'm doing one in a couple of weeks' time in London with a musician friend uh, called Loman Campbell, who builds synthesizers. And Ooh. he's he's got this machine where you kind of dial in words, uh, and the words will be converted into music. Uh, so we're taking a paragraph yeah. from each chapter in the book, and that is then going to generate wow. music unique to that particular chapter, uh, and then loop that and, and do various things. So it, it could be amazing. <laughs> it could be an utter disaster. Uh, I'll let you know when the album's coming out. You know? <laughs> but but it, it then, because we're doing a, a, this this audiophile bar in, in, in London, yeah. it's going to get a different audience. So it's yes. not going to be the whiskey yes. geeks. It's going to oh, be the folk who are really into, you know, into the music who then might come out and go, oh, actually, whiskey's for me as well. So I, th I think that that's another element oh, wow. of it yeah. is kind of going out with the, you know, the, the, the little kind of, you know, the whiskey world and, and trying to engage people from, that's you know, all, all you know, different different areas you know, that, that they're interested in. And in some ways, that's what I'm trying to do, with, or I was trying to do with the book as well. So, yes, it is a book about whiskey, but it's a book about Scotland and it's yeah. a travel book and yeah. it's... About you know, it's about history. It's about nature. It's about blah blah blah. So it can be, it can hit 
different people in different ways. The last time we spoke to you about Dave Broom, not about Michael Jackson, you were talking about whiskey tastings really needing to be rethought, re-examined, redone. And this idea of getting people in a room, probably 30 people in a room, pouring them six drams and then talking about them, you, you thought maybe on the way of the, the dinosaur, even though a lot of us still do that. This yeah, is exactly how yeah, we do it. Yeah. Listening to you talking about this music and getting this mm -hmm. additional audience really has a strong echo to what you are, and I know you weren't just saying it two years ago, yeah. but you've been saying for a while, is how do we get those feelers out and bring yeah. people in? Yeah. Do you find the whiskey resonates in, a, in an instance like that? Do you find the music resonates, but the whiskey is now, a seed has been sown in somebody's brain? How do you see that playing out with those audiences? Uh, I, I, think, I think bringing in, trying to bring in new people by offering them something else other than just whiskey. You know, they will be coming in because of the, whatever the other thing is. Mm -hmm. And it could be food and it could be music, it could be mm -hmm. photography, you know, it could be, could be something else. So I, I think that's an excellent way to try and engage people, you know, to try and find, you know, I think we've probably touched on this in, in the past, a lot of it's about confidence, you know, so a lot of people are scared, still scared about whiskey. Mm -hmm. You know, it's growing, but, but they're, they lack the confidence to be able to make that decision as to what whiskey mm -hmm. they want to have, hmm. uh, even though they, they feel that they have to pass an exam, you know, uh, <laughs> because they don't understand what to say. Yeah. But, you know, they're quite happy to have an opinion about a pizza, you know, so, mm -hmm. you know, they, they therefore they know how to taste kind of, kind of thing. But if you can then find their comfort zone uh, and talk to them when they're in their comfort zone, yeah. uh, whatever that is, then that is a really good way to start to, to, to bring them in. Uh, we've, we've been, and, and this is kind of we in general, this kind of whiskey industry thing, very good at, at standing at, at, the, at the, the opening of the tent going, mm. come in folks. Mm. Uh, but actually we should be stepping through and actually approaching them in their, in their worlds mm -hmm. and, and, and bringing them in. So, and it's another reason for, for writing the book in the way it has been written, which is looking at that big picture and, and, and seeing how whiskey does ripple out uh, and where all those connections are, you know, yeah. whether there are, you know, farmers or foresters or writers or musicians or, or whatever. So the, when, you, when you look at whiskey in that way, rather than just being a product mm -hmm. uh, made yeah. in a certain way, yeah. aged in a certain type of cask, which mm -hmm. is fascinating for us because mm -hmm. we're geeks, mm -hmm. but it's actually not that fascinating for most people, you know. <laughs> uh, but a lot of the other stuff, it's, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, and I, I think, you know, talking to brand ambassadors and sort of seeing the way that they, they now are engaging people. Uh, and again, I, I think especially in, in, in the UK, for less familiar with what's happening over here, obviously, that whole presentation mode, which used to be now pick up the glass mm -hmm, and you mm -hmm. know put your nose in the glass, which you never knows how to smell. You know, yeah. uh, you know, they've been doing this since they were babies. You know, <laughs> they don't really need to be talked through it. And it's much more about storytelling. You know, it's more about that, that the backstory uh, in, in the whiskies. You know, so when I'm talking about the book, we've got half a dozen whiskies or, or so to, to taste with it. But it's not really a, a tasting of the whiskey. The whiskey kind of helps tell the story or move mm. the story along, move the narrative along. And uh, okay. I, I'm not the only person doing it. I, mean, I haven't discovered something sure. weird and, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. that nobody else is trying. Sure. Uh, it's, I think this is now part and parcel of what you know, whiskey education is all about, and it's brilliant. Yeah. 
on that very topic, mm. do you think actively and act purposefully when it comes to gatekeeping? Because I, I know in having many conversations with Jess Lomas, our, our global sales manager in Glasgow, one of the things for her is who's inviting people into the tent that you're talking about? Mm. And in observing you and talking to you, you're talking about, it doesn't have to be my tent. Like I can go and walk into somebody else's tent and have a chat with them where they are. Yeah. Is that conscious for you? Is that purposeful to you? Do you spend time thinking about that aspect of whiskey or of our industry? Uh, I think it happens. I don't know if I consciously think. I don't kind of sit down and make a list, uh, I don't think. But what's been interesting with the tour that I've been doing uh, in the UK is you know, doing a couple of literary festivals and hmm. seeing who comes along to those. Yeah. Uh, and I did one in Bremar and you know, there were folk from Loch Nagar Distillery, so there was whiskey geeks in there, but okay. there was also people who were at the literary festival because mm -hmm. they'd bought the tickets to that and they didn't necessarily know anything about whiskey. Uh, but were interested, all of a sudden they were interested because, you know, it was something different. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and, and, and that's, that's, I think that's, that's kind of the role of the, the literary festival in, yeah. in, in many ways. Or that great independent bookseller who can then pitch it in the right way, you know, to be able to go, you know, yes, there are going to be, there's going to be whiskies here, but actually, there is also this this mm. big picture, so I, I don't think it's necessarily conscious. I don't kind of deliberately try and target people, but uh, it's it's hugely rewarding and and exciting when you find that little avenue, that little pathway that you can begin to get into, you know, people and convince them that this thing that they were perhaps scared about they actually love and I, I, I find that I mean time and time again just not even with this but you know the number of people that come up after a tasting because yeah. uh, it'll you know, quite often, often be a highball uh, at some point uh -huh. in the tasting and the number of people who come up afterwards and they've probably been brought along by their partner uh, and they go I've never liked whiskey before but oh my goodness that highball was delicious <laughs> wow. you know, yeah, yeah boom yeah. great job done uh, yeah, and there's yeah. another convert there's somebody yeah. who, who will now go and, uh, and try whiskey uh, they might not become a geek yeah, but sure. yeah. you know, you know, they yeah. they are now, you know, walking towards the tent. You know, <laughs> that's that, that, <laughs> you know. That, that, that's really great to hear because I, one of the things I thought about, you know, we have a local bookstore just a, a town away from me, and, and we've got wonderful authors coming through. I think it's I think it's okay, like this, Jason. Just potato, potato. potato. Okay. Um, you know the people who are who are going to this local bookstore to see their favorite author. Their favorite author is reading to the choir, preaching to the choir. So, you know how much of how much of what you do is bringing in new people into whiskey, and how much of it do you think is preaching to that whiskey choir, the the already converted? I mean, it, it, the vast majority of people who will be coming will. will you know, be in, it will be kind of preaching to the choir yeah. to, to some extent. Uh, but hopefully the, the, the preaching won't be too preachy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, yeah. and we'll kind of open up 
new ways of thinking about whiskey because yeah. you know, that, that that's you know it kind of spins back to that you know that old way of kind of whiskey tasting you know mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm getting increasingly bored actually mm-hmm. you know going back to that thing I mean I may even say it this afternoon when I'm doing it you know you know my opinion of that whiskey it, it means nothing you know it means absolutely <laughs> nothing to you because you know that whiskey is yours so yeah, yeah. you know you know we, we can all help you we we can, we can have a conversation about it but I I can't tell you what you're you're experiencing when you taste that whiskey yeah, because. Sure. All you can do as a as a presenter uh, is is hold up a mirror to to the person tasting it and going, it's yours now. Yeah, you know, mm. uh, and, and mm. the conversation that comes from that is actually really fascinating. Uh, so yeah, it's yeah, it's an interesting way of yeah. of 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 trying trying to go about it. It, it seems like I'm just <laughs> it seems like I'm just coughing out. You know, I'm not even tell you what it tastes like. I'm too bored. But no, but it's not. It's trying to engage that conversation. It's trying to say, I can tell you. I'll, I'll describe it if yeah. you want. But yeah. but don't take that as gospel. Essentially, going back to the preachy thing. Yeah, uh, it's it's not gospel. You know? Yeah. Okay. okay. There's no bloody scores. <laughs> Say that again. I didn't actually hear it over the car starting up outside. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, that's an elephant farting. Uh, <laughs> uh, the circus is in town. Yeah, uh, yeah th- no scores. Yeah. No, no scores. scores. There you go. No scores. This past September, I went up to uh, Isle of Rase Distillery, right. which was wonderful. And we, we all landed in Glasgow, and then we, we went straight to uh, Mulkintyre. We... We had a day in Isla, then we get off Isla, and we went straight up the west coast of Scotland. And there's something so very different about the roads on the (laughs) west coast of Scotland. And there's a different feel on the west coast. And and if I step back and I think of the distilleries there, Ardnamurkin, Isle of Rasse, right? Talisker, granted that sky, but it's, it's west, right? And they all have this particular style. And I've... I wouldn't say I've scoffed at the idea of regionality, but there's a connection to those distilleries and the West Coast distilleries in particular that I've, I've started to pay attention to more. And, and I feel as if you talk about that a bit. And I, I wonder if you could maybe give us your thoughts on yeah, that Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, yeah, start, start with the roads. Uh, you know, it's, <laughs> we, we, we went to Nicknean. Uh, on Marvern, which is the West Coast distillery. Yeah. And as a crow flies, I think it's about six miles from Ardnamurkin. Yeah. And it yeah. takes about two hours to get there from A to B yeah. by road. It's just know. like right north of yeah. Mull, right? Yeah, it's right yeah. opposite Mull. Yeah. 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 yeah, right. Yeah. O- you know, Nagnane's right opposite Tobermory, yeah, essentially. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, you know, a uh, discursive landscape. It takes, it takes time to get around. And that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it gives you time to think. Uh, but, you know, I, I do think... F- Personally speaking, I, I think some of the most exciting whiskies coming out of Scotland at the moment are from these new distilleries mm. on the West Coast. Absolutely. You know, yeah. Nain, you know pioneering, pioneering organic, 100% organic whiskey. Arden Merkin, not only green, but, but, you know, just making phenomenal, phenomenal yeah. uh, yeah. whiskies. Todd of Egg, you yeah, know, right. Slate, Razi, Harris, which hasn't come out yet, but the juice is great. There's going to be a new distillery in Barra, a new one in Benbecula. You know, so that the whole of the West Coast is yeah. really, really kicking at the moment. Uh, and, it, and it's great. And yeah, I, I'm not a great believer in regional styles, but I think that the whole thing about place, which essentially is what, what the book is about, yeah. is more... Uh, the regionality thing is a bit of a 
simplifying of, of the whole thing. Like terroir is a simplifying mm -hmm. of the whole mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. The, the whole thing about place is about people because it's about community. It's about the, how people interact with the landscape yeah. and how that whiskey comes out of, out of all of that. And some of that is gen generates flavor. Mm. But actually, it's more to do with what the distillery does to that community. And what the distilleries uh, on the West Coast, the new distilleries on the West Coast have done is regenerate communities, yeah. you know, in, yeah. in extraordinary ways. You know, there's 30-odd people working on Razi. Yeah. Pretty much all of them are under 30. Yeah. You know, and on an island which was losing people and it's an aging population. Yeah. The same on Slate, the same, uh, the same in Harris, the same mm -hmm. at Ardenmurkin, the same at Nagnean, you know, bam, 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 all the way through. Dornoch as well, you know, what, what Phil and Simon are doing yeah, up true. there. You know, employing and re-employing uh, you know, young folk who want to stay, but because there's no careers, mm. they can't. They've got to. They've got to move away. So, and that's place. Yeah. So for me, it's less about the flavour and it's more about the mindset. Yeah. You know. So, and I, I think I do think you know, coming from the West Coast anyway, uh, I do think there is a kind of West Coast mentality. There's something about West Coasts that that make people. You know, it attract attract kind of weird people. I think, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know. Do you think it's you know, the, it's the, the space? You know, I, I you know I, I think you know you're kind of looking out to to yeah, nothingness. It, it's the weather, right? And it's the weather, you know, it's the weather. Yeah. But yeah. Do you long, think it's the mentality long. of the West Coasters <laughs> that help influence the the style of whiskey coming from these distilleries? Uh, perhaps, I mean, if you talk to Alex uh, at Ardemurkin, mm -hmm. you know, he quite overtly st states that what they wanted to make at Ardemurkin was a West Coast whiskey, you know, mm. so the inspiration there was Springbank yeah. yeah, or okay, Ben Nevis sure. or yeah. Antalaskan, to speak yeah. to, to Alasdor uh, at, uh, at Razi, you know, he'll be talking about a similar thing, saying, well, you know, his, his points of reference were mm. Bomores and also Talisker, you know, yeah. you know yeah. so... Uh, I'm not trying to copy it, but saying, well, actually, these are flavours that, that I like and these are flavours that somehow speak of the place. Mm. And, you know, Ardemurkin, you know, they wanted to have us make a salty whiskey, but nobody knows how to do it. Yeah. But by God, they've done it somehow. <laughs> you, know? It. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, so yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's yeah. not the joy of whiskey, you know. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. You never quite know what, what, what's good to... Uh, you can set a distillery on, along one path and the distillery will decide what it wants to make, really, yeah, that's true, that's to some true extent. Yeah. Yeah. Just sitting here patiently biding my time. It's been, I, I tell you, for me personally, being able to ask you more than one question <laughs> and just watching Jason there, just I know. breathing, is like Lamaze breathing. Yeah. <laughs> so when I was teaching at the University of Idaho, I, I had a, a colleague called Larry Forney and he was about 20 years older than me and, and was distinguished the world over as a, a microbiologist. And I loved co-teaching with him. And I once made a comment to him saying, um, when we walk into that classroom, you can't help yourself but talk. He was like, no, 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 I'm gonna have a quiet day. And I said, it's impossible. You will not be able to have a quiet day. And he was so fucking stubborn. He walked in, he sat in the back row, he didn't say a single word. And at the end of class, he got up and walked out. <laughs> I love this guy, he's a hero. He is my inspiration for today. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> this is how Jason takes a back seat in an interview. Um, as you're talking there, Dave, mm -hmm. assuming I can ask you a question. <laughs> I'll allow it. <laughs> we had a law framework in our last interview with Dave as well. Um, <laughs> 
when we spoke to you two years ago, mm. again about Dave Brown, that episode was titled A Sense of Place. Right. And you were oh, talking right. then about getting back on the road mm -hmm. in March with Christina. Christina, yeah and getting out and getting the right light and starting the project. And you talked then about using COVID to maybe pivot. And, and you thought at that time, COVID would actually maybe play more of a role in the book. I raced through the book. I fucking loved the book. I emailed you and I said, I love this. And I started buying copies for people. Thank you. I, I think when you put your money where your mouth is, it's not just lip yeah. service. Uh, I disclosed I got a free book from the publisher. Um, we've quoted you a few times in some other episodes, mm -hmm. Extra Extra and yep, One Nation Under Whiskey. Did you end up having the COVID angle or did you get to a point of writing where you were like, look, we need to put this to bed? Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, yeah, I remember that conversation. I thought, yeah, it will be a COVID book. And then I thought, uh, as we began to go on the road, I said, actually, it's not because the, the story's a bigger story. You know, mm. it, it's... It's not a COVID. So there's, there's, I think there's one mention of pandemic in there and lockdown. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it would have seemed more like moaning mm -hmm. somehow. Uh, and it just, it just didn't fit. You know, there's a whole bunch of things that, uh, from that original plan, I, I kind of went back, back to the original plan, kind of looked at where the book ended up and came, well, actually, well, that went, that went, that went. Uh -huh. uh, but other things then came in. Because, I mean, the, the, the glorious thing about uh, a road trip is that themes begin to emerge yeah. uh, that you don't actually know about and, and connections are certainly uh, become apparent to well, actually I'm going to pick up on that one and, 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 and run with that. Like, yeah. uh, for example, we were in Speyside uh, and to try and look at Speyside, even though I'm not a regional kind of guy, but to try and look at that area that, yeah. that, uh, in terms of place, it's really hard for so many distilleries and yeah, sure. how do you fight your way through it? And decided to go look at it through the Grant family of Glenfiddich, yeah. and Balvenie, etc. Uh, because the story of that family and of the Gordon family allows you to tell the story of that whole region and that, that whole area and, and craftsmanship and how it evolved, etc., etc. And met up with Grant Gordon, and Grant's a family member. He's not actively involved in, in the whiskey side of, of, of the business, but he is chair of the Cabrach Trust. Mm. And the Cabrach is this Scotland Siberia, you know, you know, you know, yep. boom, you know, amazing pub, but nothing, you know, uh, cleared, it's effectively cleared, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And Grant and the, the Cabrach Trust are wanting to bring people back into that area and they're building a distillery. And yep. that then, all of a sudden, I knew that that, that idea of the, the, the ripples that a distillery causes, you know, when it opens up in a remote part, that was going to be the West Coast. And all of a sudden, there was a link. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. Yeah, this isn't just a West Coast thing. This is actually happening in the area where, where you wouldn't expect it to happen in, mm. in a way. So suddenly, that then became a, perhaps a, a more central theme yeah. than I had previously envisaged. Yeah, so sure. it was great. You know, you, you, it's, a, it's a, fluid, a fluid operation, you know. You know, the, 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 works, of, the works of Patrick Geddes, who is... Uh, town planner, ecologist, essentially invented e ecology. Uh, you know, just a remarkable man, beginning of the 20th century, Scott. Uh, his work and the way that he looked at, at work and place and folk uh, mm. suddenly became 
incredibly important. He wasn't mm. there on the, on the first draft of this book. Wow. You know, you know I, I kind of began, well, actually, Geddes keeps popping up in all the other reference books yeah. I'm looking at. Okay, actually, and then, then he becomes like a central part to it. I had to drop a lot of the Gaelic poetry. Okay. Uh, my editor did tell me, Dave, <laughs> it's a book about whiskey. It's not a book about 18th century Gaelic poetry. Uh, <laughs> so, so you know, kind of you know, rained back on that one a wee bit. Uh, but, but there's enough in there. <laughs> on, on those two very points that you just raised, on Speyside and place, and then Gaelic and the understanding of language allowing us to understand place. Mm. When we spoke to you in 2020, the end of, you had said... Writing about Speyside with place is so difficult, but I think I've got a plan. Yeah. You didn't share it. Did that end up being the plan? Yeah. Or uh, okay. okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, 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 was, that was the point at which that, you were that, 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 that was the wee, that was the wee germ. Uh, just coming through through one one distillery, but actually, it's not coming in through a distillery. It's coming in through the family. So mm -hmm. it's coming in. Mm. It's telling the story of the people, and through telling the story of the people, you can then allow. Th it to spread out. Mm -hmm. So you're not just writing a distillery profile, it's, it's bigger than that, but it's using that as an example of what was happening actually across the whole of the, mm -hmm. the, the whole area. Uh, and it kind of avoided that thing of, it's not a book, you know, we, we visit nine distilleries, maybe. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's not a, a book about every distillery no, in Scotland. No. But the, the other thing that I didn't expect it to be, and I think what it has ended up being, is taking the temperature of what the Scotch whiskey, of the Scotch whiskey industry at this point mm -hmm. in, in, in its remarkable evolution in the 21st century. And I, I didn't go out with that intention. You know, I went out to write a book about landscape and place and community and stuff and ended up being this, actually, this is where whiskey is and this is where Scotch whiskey is conceivably going. So yeah. I didn't expect that to happen. Yeah. Uh, who knows? The, I, I thought the book made perfect sense from our original conversation when you had said the, the big distilleries have kind of moved away from place, they've gone global, and they want to be seen as global. You made a comment about moving into the luxury market as well, and they wanted to be seen as luxury. In going through the book, I loved reading about new distillery, new distillery, mm. new distillery, mm -hmm. new project within a community. I, I loved all of that side of it. When you say just now, taking the temperature, is that part of what you're reading on that temperature gauge is instead of these new distilleries competing with the big boys, they're instead creating a new niche of their own within this product we call Scotch whiskey. Yeah, yeah very much so. Uh, and I think we've been very guilty of, you know, this kind of binary thinking of, you know, small, small as big as bad, small is good, etc, yeah. etc. Et et you know, the, the fact is that you know, the Scotch whisky industry, because it was the dominant player by far, you know, by, by s such a degree, mm -hmm. all the way through the 20th century, it was set up around blends. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that at all. Uh, therefore, you know, the maltings had to be bigger. The, the industry had to run efficiently. Distilleries mm -hmm. were going to get bigger, etc., etc. And they were still producing highly individual spirits. But it, you know, the, the the paradigm was different. You know, the model was different. But that's changed. Yeah. You know, so there is now this parallel track that yeah. new distillers can go down if they want to. 
which is, you know, you know we talked about Razi, for example. Yeah. You know, you speak to Alistair and uh, Razi, and he says, you know, this, you know, and he's a very humble man, but he mm -hmm. says, yeah, this, this distillery could be the first in Scotland to be designed by a blender. You know, wow. so, so you know, he's one, but he's got lots of bells and whistles in that distillery, oh, you know, yeah. with cooling jackets and, you know, light arms and purifiers and temperature control and mm -hmm. fermentation and everything to produce as many different styles as possible yep. for a single malt. Yeah. Uh, so there are these two parallel tracks because Diageo has to make enough juice for 20 million cases of Johnny Walker a year. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that model, that model is valid. It's just not uh. the only way. Yeah, that whiskey can be made, and and, and I think that's what is exciting uh, about it uh, at the moment. That the creative possibilities of whiskey are now being explored by all companies, no matter what size uh, they are. I, th I think one of the most telling, one of the most enjoyable chapters or interviews that I did, and they, you know, they were all enjoyable. They were all lovely people, <laughs> except but, that but, one. But but chat, <laughs> chatting with chatting with Jim, chatting with Jim Beveridge and Emma Walker oh, about, yeah. about blends and plates yeah. and scale and you know, can blends have it? Because I was tasting it. That thing, uh, you know, does does that matter and doesn't? And their answers, which I'm not going to tell you because you have to buy the book, uh, <laughs> is, is uh, I, I think really really amazing. You know, that conversation was kind of boom. You know, there's 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 a lot going on in whiskey that we don't really hear mm. about. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. yeah. I love that segment of the book. So yeah, it's, 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 I will not. It was kind of Jim's last interview as well. So there you go. He was very relaxed. There you, you go. Know. <laughs> so just, just to, yeah, I know, I know, right? What's, what's happening? Semadonna, Semadonna. So you mentioned before there, there are certain distilleries that, that you didn't focus on because it's less about Scotland and more about a global product. Right, I, I feel we just said that. Um, I just want to make sure that I am listening right, because Jason Jason always says you're only listening 25 percent of the He's time. A terrible listener, Dave. A terrible What's that? listener. One of the things that that I've been observing, and, and and maybe I'm not looking at it correctly, but one of the things that I've been observing is you've got more and more Scottish distilleries opening up with this sense of of independence, and like even Isle of Arran, right. 1995, what, what does that make them now? 27 years old um, and still independent and, and confidently so. And more and more Scottish distilleries are opening up with that idea of independence. And here we are just this past week in the U.S. We had Wilderness Trail sell to uh, Campari and Balcone sell to Diageo. And you know, what was, and I want to make sure I'm saying this the right way. I, I think these distilleries are still going to make great products and, and you know, Balcones will continue to make a great Texas single malt. But do you think that there's, that there's the potential for that sense of place to go away and now it becomes this global brand? Uh not if, not if they, they guard it, yeah. not if it's part of the, the ethos. I mean, I can't see Jared suddenly yeah. throwing everything that, that yeah, yeah. you know, Balcones has stood for. Uh, you know, you, you don't see that with, you don't see that with Westland. Yeah, no, you know? for, for sure. You know, uh, so no, I, I, I don't think, I, I think if, if the parent company, whoever, you know, yeah. handles it in, in a very, 
very gentle way and say, actually, you're doing the right thing. Yeah. We're, we're here to support, so we can give you maybe greater technical support or distribution ch channels or whatever. But you run your own business yeah. and, and they're hands off about it, then, then I think that's absolutely fine. But, you know, even that whole thing about independence, you know, I get asked, I, I get asked similar questions, not that question, but similar questions uh, quite regularly. And, and, and I always end up saying, yeah, but William Grant and Sons are independent. You know, that's a family-owned yeah, company. Right. That's a family-owned company. That's, that's you know, a very good point. You know, it's a family-owned yeah. company. You know, so yeah, it's. I mean, I, I, it's, and also, I suspect some of the distilleries in Scotland might be bought by slightly larger companies. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I think perhaps that's an inevitability uh, yeah. because they'll need cash flow, and you know, so some of them might might go mm. uh, as a result. Uh, so. I think that's just part of the natural process, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's necessarily automatically to the detriment of the of the quality of of, of the spirit or or the. No, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I agree with you, and there's a reason yeah. why these larger yeah. corporations will want to buy that distillery because yeah. they were doing X, and if you buy them because they were doing X and make them to be a distillery to do Y, mm -hmm. then. Why did you? Even yes, so it's yeah, an interesting exactly. knee-jerk reaction because I think so many of us have it, where we say, "Oh, I love the independent. It's been bought by a multinational." Ah, shit. The multinational is the multinational for a reason, hmm. right? There's a reason they've got all the money in the world because they're very successful at making and selling product, and so. I, I, <laughs> I'm kind of exploring this for my own self here, where I'm like, why do I have that knee-jerk reaction? Why do I think the big player coming in is automatically a bad thing? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's like it's like your favourite punk rock band. So, it's, it's, oh, so, you, suddenly, you suddenly went exactly it, you know, where you know. I was going. Well, you know, it's like when Son, it's like when Sonic you signed to Geffen, you know, <laughs> yeah, showing my age, you know. Uh -huh. it's, oh, oh, they've sold out, bastards! You know, <laughs> the Clash have signed to CBS, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, 100. Yeah. I, I, yeah. You brought the exact example <laughs> I was thinking of. There's so many bands that, oh man, their first two albums, incredible. Then they got signed by so-and-so, yeah. and damn, did they go down the drain. There you go. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I, I, I've just taken a sip of, of uh, American Light Whiskey, for, which is a bottle for Whiskey Jubilee. Yeah, 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 yeah Chicago this, uh, 2015. Which is insane, <laughs> and it's insane in, in a in a wonderful way. For uh, the for yeah. the listeners, Jason, in case in case you haven't mentioned it five hundred times already, <laughs> could you go over the makeup of this whiskey that we've just poured? I'm always terrible with the ages on it. You're much better with the ages on it's it. It's an eight year old. Okay, so I couldn't have told you that. I always thought it was an eleven year old, and and we've got other no, projects. No. But we took for Whiskey Jubilee Chicago 2015. It was our first event there after we'd been in New York for a number of years. So we needed something that would impress, open eyeballs. And so we had eight-year-old American light whiskey that went into an ex-rye barrel that had been used uh, in our time doing a project with High West. Mm -hmm. We sent it off to Schmaltz Brewing, who just sunsetted in the last year or so. Yeah, that's right. Uh, have now gone from the beer landscape. They put a heavily malted beer into that X rye cask. It was an IPA, it was their Hopmana IPA. Heavily malted, though. Yeah. And they put it in with fresh mustard seeds. So the beer sat, a heavily malted <laughs> beer sat in a course, rye cask. In an X rye cask with fresh mustard seeds. And we took our light whiskey and stuck it in that. And it was in there for literally six weeks, eight weeks. Really? This yeah. moved lightning fast. Yeah, yeah. Real fast we yeah. then had a sister cask 
that stayed in for two years. They were radically different casks. As we talk about sister casks and, oh, they're all the same, they're sister. No, they're very different. One of them just burned down the police station uh, and the other one went to Harvard Law. Um, Right? (laughs) Why not both, Jason? (laughs) And then we bottled this at 64.5%? 65.1%. Oh, 65.1? You have the bottle, so I do trust you I didn't even need to look at it. (laughs) Numbers get So, um, the point for me is always, when people say, what do you drink of an evening? Hmm. I don't have a lot of go-tos. I like to see what's the latest thing. And to be honest with you, when I was reading your book and we started on Orkney, I went and poured some stones of Stenness that we had bottled, and I was drinking that while reading the book. So I'm more prone to do that. Mm. Um, But this is a go-to for me because... It's not like anything else on my shelf. No, it's 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 mad in 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 a, in a wonderful way. This <laughs> kind of Mandarin thing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. One hundred percent. Where's that coming from? So like, that's that boom. is yeah. that's the light whiskey, right? right? That's that is a key component. A good light whiskey should have that spiced orange yeah. gumdrop yeah. note, right? So it's, um, f- for you or for or for the listeners, light whiskey is at least this one because the mash bill changed a little bit is uh, like a standard MGP mash bill, right? Uh, corn, rye, bit of malt. Then distilled to, it has to be over 80%, anywhere okay. between 80 to like 94 and a half, I think. Exactly. Um, and then instead of put into new charred oak, they're put into ex-bourbon barrels. Right. right. Hence, and, and now that's, that's the category of light whiskey. So it was a category we discovered working with Dave Perkins of, uh-huh. of High West. Yeah. And uh, he just, he fell in love with it. He got a whole slate of casks and <laughs> said, okay, yeah, we love it too now. And you can see it's just wild flavors. Uh, the, yeah, it's crazy. Yes, yeah, thank you for that. The yeah. reason I wanted to pour it for you is I've talked to you about it every time I've seen you. Yep. And I've always been meaning to send you a sample and I, and I don't know if I have or, or no, have not. No, no, but it's okay. That's yeah. okay. You know, you, you forget about Dave Broom the second you hang yeah, up on the call. You know, it's, yeah. it's kind yeah. of offensive. <laughs> like, I do apologize. Yeah, yeah. Um, but... Who was that guy again? <laughs> in our last chat, we got around to, and and I'm not, this sounds like I'm leading the witness, which we talked about in the last episode, you doing it, mm-hmm. Joshua. We talked about whiskeys that have really opened your eyes. And in that moment, we talked about when was the last exceptional whiskey you had? And I'm not pitching this as today's exceptional whiskey. I'm pitching this as, and I saw it happen to you, this opens your eyes, oh, oh, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. You just go, yeah. wait, blah, blah, blah. Hey, 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 what's going on? Right, yeah, and I'd even yeah. said to you, like, we could talk about this. We don't have to talk about this. If you don't want to, that's perfectly fine. And you're silently pointing at the bottle, like, what's happening, boys? What's happening? <laughs> yeah, no, it's brilliant. I mean, brilliant. It, that, that, you know, that, that's what it's about, isn't it? You know, to be, you know, hugely excited. This yeah, is, uh, it's my it. pleasure yeah, to yeah. share this with you. No, thank you, you. thank you. It's, so excited it's, to have. It's really, really good, yeah. Cheers. And for the listener, it sold out seven years ago. So it really is just talking about something that's really fun uh, and that I really love. There you go. I, I had my question before. You, you, are, you are allowed. So talking question. about the whiskey actually threw me off what, where I was taking all of this. Um, I, don't have, I don't have a question in the chamber right now. I do want to put you on the spot, David. Hmm. Something's That's going full to full name. He just full name <laughs> checking yeah, David, yeah. not Dave. I, I, I'm David. worried now. <laughs> yeah, I would be. So, something is going to happen in another hour and a bit today 
that will be in the distant rear view mirror by the time this episode drops. But be oh, yeah. because yeah. we've talked about <laughs> tasting sure. and leading tastings, Joshua and I are going to have the privilege of sitting in, in on your SMWS tasting this afternoon that is connected to your book, A mm. Sense of Place. Yes. Can you talk now about what you're going to do shortly? Mm. No. Okay. No, no, of course I can. Of course <laughs> you were so serious. I called you David. <laughs> you shake your head so seriously. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, to be honest, I mean, the questions have been so great. Some of the some of the themes will pop up. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, it's it's the the tasting or the talk or, or or whatever is essentially taking taking the people through the thinking behind the book mm. and what the, what those various themes were. So looking at conditions. Uh, you know, why Scotland makes whiskey. Mm. Uh, mm. And kind of going back, why did we start in Orkney? You know, why did we start in the Neolithic and yeah. not with Friar John Corr? You know, yeah. why did we yeah. go back to 6,000 years when they weren't <laughs> making whiskey? Because it's important. Uh, looking at community, looking at craftsmanship, looking at how connections were frayed. Mm. You know, so the connection between farmer and distiller, for example, mm. began to be frayed. Uh, what happened to Scotch's image and did this idea of place disappear in terms of people's idea of, of Scotch? It didn't mm. disappear necessarily in, on the part of the people who were making it, but you know, did, mm. that not, did that kind of cease to be a vital element within it? Uh, and then looking at the renaissance uh, of, of whiskey and sustainability. So that, that's essential. Those are kind of the big, the big building blocks uh, mm. throughout that. And then there's whiskies to help uh, move the conversation on and allow people to kind of zone out and, and, <laughs> and, 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 and have a drink. And also there's, there's images, you know, so, so we've got a screen. We've got a screen with, right. some, with Christina's images on them because they are such, and I have to say this because I haven't really talked about Christina at all, they're such an important part of, of the book because you can see the eyes of the people we talk to. And you can see the places, uh, and they're beautiful photos, but they tell an incredible story, and, and they move it forward. So, uh, where possible, I always like to, to have those images coming up because that also helps with with, with kind of moving it. And people will ask questions, and yeah. and yeah. you know things will go, you know, in, in whatever direction that, yeah. that they go. You know, that that's you know, it's a conversation rather than a you know a rant. No preachy stuff. No preachy stuff. How much of the pictures themselves helped drive the narrative of the story, or were they applied afterwards? Uh, no, because we travelled together. Yeah. Uh, yeah. With, with with one exception, you know, I've known Christina for a few years anyway. Uh, so we sat down before before it started, before the trip started, and kind of roughed out what we mm. wanted to do. You know, mm-hmm. no noses and glasses. Uh, you know, no no light. You know, natural light. Yeah. You know, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, and then when we went to, so we started in Orkney, you know, so, so we went to Orkney and kind of after the first day, yeah. we then sat down, you know, over, you know, a glass or two and something yeah. to eat and, and looked at the photos and kind of went, right, okay, that works, that doesn't work, et cetera, et cetera. So it was a wholly collaborative uh, effort, mm. you know, so you know, she sat in on all the interviews. Okay. okay. Uh, so from that, that then gave her an idea of what she could then photograph. And sure. because 
I was then seeing all the photos, I could go, actually, that bit is really important. And ah, you know, can we pick okay. up on this? Can we pick yeah. up on that? So, you know, the, the two of us, I wasn't telling her how to take a photo, uh, but, you know, you know for, for the bit that she followed on, which was the Nicknean Ardemark and Razzie yeah. bit, you know, I kind of did a, a shoot list. Yeah, you know, you know, this is where I went. Interesting. You, you, these are the people. Oh, okay. I, uh, these are the people okay. I met. Yeah. Do what you want, but you know, here are the. This is what the chapter is going yeah. to look like. So, can, you know, can you take images that are going to support that? Mm. Uh, so, so yeah. I mean, okay. yeah. It was. It was. It, it genuinely is a collaborative effort. You know, that's you know, beautiful. It's not just pretty pictures, too. <laughs> and, and that's and that's and that's yeah. sort of what I was asking is. You know, you'd said, oh, th- this picture makes sense for that. Let's go in that direction. I think that's that's a really interesting way to yeah. to look at it. I, I had a, a separate question, but Jason, if you wanted to go on yes. more about the images, just, No, please. just real fast. How did you meet Christina and, oh, and had you collaborated you yeah. elsewhere? Was this the first? Yeah, we. she did the stills photography for Amber Light, the, okay. the, the, the film, the multi-award winning oh, yeah. film. Uh, it's now Netflix. Uh, not in, here in the U.S. Uh, not in the U.S. Not no, yet. No, I've looked for it. Yeah, not yet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So she did that, and and it transpires that that we have so many friends in common, and and bizarrely we we, we just kind of never never hooked up. Mm. Uh, so yeah, it was it was through Amberlight, but you know we continue to, you know, think about other projects now. You know, mm. so we're a team. Yeah. I got a little side question. Ah, on photography. <laughs> okay, I'll phone her up if you want. <laughs> so, so not actually about Christina, but about your Japanese book, yep. the, the Way of Whiskey, mm-hmm. which should have been with me before this interview, but will be with me after this interview <laughs> okay. uh, because of the way shipping currently works. Ah, uh, yeah. The relationship that you had with your photographer in Japan. Did you learn anything from that experience that you applied to yes. your to your yes. time with Christina? Yeah, 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 yeah very much so. Uh, yeah, I'd never met Taki until I, I went to I went to Japan, but I had seen his work, uh, so I, I knew I knew how he approached things. Uh, so you know, essentially, we did the same thing. We sat down, you know, and had a chat about right. you know how I was thinking the book, what the book was about, and how and and he got it like like that. Nice. Uh, he he got it immediately. Yeah, and so so I learned a, a huge amount from working with him. Uh, who's you know equally a remarkable photographer awesome. about how how this this could work. So th- this is essentially a companion volume, you know. So uh, it's okay. you know the, the way of whiskey was looking at the big picture of, of Japanese whiskey. Why Japanese yeah. whiskey is Japanese, uh, and this is you know taking a different angle. But it's road trip. It's whiskey within a wider context. Uh, yeah, and, and we'll see what happens next. Well, I, I went yeah. I went back and bought the Japanese one because of how much I enjoyed this one. Oh, thank you, thank you. And I'm a completionist, so if you say companion <laughs> volume, I'm going to have the companion. Was there, um, at any point in, in writing this book and traveling and, and, and taking pictures, was there any point in time where it changed your understanding of, of Scotland as a Scotsman on this trip? Uh, I'll just wait for that truck to go past while I think about that answer. Uh, yeah, I think it did. Yeah, I, I, I think yeah. it did. I, I think, I think it did when I think the whole 
I mean, I, I knew about, you know, I've been going to the West Coast for, for long enough and, and I knew about depopulation, I knew about clearances and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think the impact that the distillery had on community, yeah. I didn't really appreciate okay. how important that was. Uh, and I, th- I think that, that really came, came through. And, and I think on that last chapter, you know, where it, where it was, which is essentially about Brukladi, mm-hmm. uh, you're getting deep into the thinking behind you know, what, what they are doing. Yeah. Uh, that was great. That, that, I mean, I, I knew what they were doing, but actually mm-hmm. sitting down over a long period of time with, with Adam and Alan and, and getting, getting their thinking and then seeing how that fitted into that bigger picture. Uh, that kind of, that, that changed it as well. I, I, it left me with it really optimistic. You know, I was very oh, optimistic by, yeah. by, by the end of it, which is very not un-Scottish, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it makes me laugh you know, about our last you know, interview. Actually, you know, they did, it, it was that kind of weird thing, you know, because it was, you know, it was COVID. It was, you know, what the hell's yeah. happening yeah. Yeah. kind yeah. of thing. You know, it's, it's just a few wee people kind of, kind of doing weird weird things. Uh, mm. and interesting things, but kind of weird, weird things, you know, out in the margins, uh, as it were. And and it's not. And, yeah. and it's 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 part of our... And, I suppose talking to all the all the craftspeople as well, you know, whether they're boat builders or cabinet makers or mm. uh, perfumers or, or whatever, to to see whiskey with from that context of it being part of a Scottish renaissance and creativity, uh, that that was really exciting. Mm. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. So yes. So it did. Very cool. Yeah, it yeah. did. It did. Cheers. Yeah. Thank you. So this is how good of an interview partner I have intended to be today. All right. <laughs> when we completed our, our interview two years ago, mm-hmm. you talked afterwards about having an independent bottling question in the chamber for the next time we spoke to Dave. Yeah. The next time we spoke to Dave was a Michael Jackson interview. Okay, yeah. Uh, a Michael Jackson remembrance. Yep, I remember. A ton, ton of fun. Yeah. But... We're sitting here with Dave Broom today, and we've never discussed independent bottling with Dave. And you're expecting me to remember my question from two years ago. While saying, gosh, Jason, you are a wonderful interview partner. You're a son of a bitch is what you are. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) When you come for Jason, you better not miss. Man, I... Really, you have no idea what that was. It's It's so funny. Wow, you were like, oh, I've got it, I'm ready to go. Listeners, if you could see the looks that are being exchanged (laughs) over the table at this particular point, you know? It's like, you know? (laughs) It's like a scene out of a Western. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody's going to go for their gun very quickly, you know? Yeah, I I feel... The bartender has just ducked down behind the counter. We're in a saloon. Yeah, because all all hell is about to break loose. Oh my gosh, there's a spaghetti Western song... Coming on. Yeah, now I feel the pressure to ask a very specific independent bottling question, and I, and I don't All right, I, don't I figured know. you'd... Yeah, uh, no. Because here's the thing, we're pretty much we're at the end of the interview. Mm-hmm. I don't really want to get into an independent bottling conversation at the end, but I definitely wanted your pressing question to be asked. You're a much better man than I am, Jason. Well, yeah, maybe it's been answered. Maybe it's been know, over, over the period, you know, over two years. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. so, so we always get out of here, and we did the last time we, we spoke to you. We always get out of here. What are you excited about going forward? But 
I'm going to lead the witness again today. All right. You are the only human being on the face of the planet to have been on One Nation Under Whiskey four times. That's wow. true. That is very true. The question for you today is, do you still have professional goals now that you've achieved four times on One Nation Under Whiskey? <laughs> yeah, I think I can retire, you know. I think this is it, you know. I'm not going to eat greedy, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. This is it. This is the pinnacle of my achievement. I think. It doesn't get better than this. Sweating under, under our DC sun. Uh, uh, yeah, that's nah, been a treat. Do, but, but, yeah, seriously, do I have professional goals? Uh, yeah, yeah. There, there's still some stuff. Yeah, I, I think I'm on. I, I think this has opened up a lot of a lot of new avenues for me uh, to explore, and there might be a third. Mm. in the series oh, okay. uh, but I, I don't know I, I genuinely don't know what it is I genuinely oh, okay. don't know what it is but and it won't be Scotland uh, but yeah, yeah. You know, I, I just think it's an interesting approach yeah yeah uh, which is just wildly self-indulgent <laughs> <laughs> but but, uh, but yeah, yeah I, I thoroughly enjoyed doing this uh, I mean there's a new atlas coming up not next year okay. year after uh, so, so that's the next one but you know, we'll, we'll see what happens next how's the revisit to that do you hell yeah, I wondered, I wondered about that aspect of it because I, I feel like going into a new project, the sky's the limit. It's all open yeah. and available to you, but you're staring that blank page square in the face. Going back to the edit, yeah. you've, you've got the framework, you've got the words. How do you go about editing? Uh, it's a complete rewrite. Oh, you know, wow, yeah, yeah, really? As simple as that, yeah, it's a complete oh, wow. because there's... Why? Uh, 140 distilleries in Scotland, 30 okay. in Ireland, 30 in England, 1,500 yeah. in the States, yeah, 40 yeah, in Japan. Yeah. You know, I could go 24 in China. Uh, you oh, know, wow. the, the, yeah. the format had to change. Right. Uh, so it has to retain, so the issue is that it has to retain some of, the, some of what makes the Atlas the Atlas, uh, but it needs to be completely redone and, and approached in a new way. So it's, it's going to be a, an entirely new book, but recognisable as, as the book it was. So I've got a meeting in uh, two weeks' time, and we're, you know, over the day we're going to thrash out how we're going to do that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Is there any? In other words, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> when did you write slash publish the Atlas? And the first one was 2010, 2012, maybe. Okay. 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 Yeah. Are there any parts that you, in going back through it, look at and go, "Oof, that that belonged in that time"? Has anything happened in this decade where you're like, "Wow, I I don't talk about it like that anymore. I don't even think I think about it like that anymore." Have you had any moments like that? Because uh, obviously, there's this simple geographic, your know, reality yeah. of more distilleries. Yeah, I mean, there's not. I mean, I, I haven't gone back and read it. <laughs> you know, it's done. Uh, you know, it's an old book. Uh, it's a good book. You know, and I'm, I'm still proud of it. But yeah. you know, I mean, no, I mean, so much has happened. You know, mm. you know, the, this last decade has been. I mean, the pace at which whiskey has changed mm -hmm. all around the world has oh, yeah. been utterly astounding. Yeah. Uh, so that that changed, and I don't think that that could have been predicted. I mean, nobody would have predicted there'd be 24 distilleries in Yeah, China. exactly. That's, no, that was yeah. in, you know, in my head right now. You know, yeah. uh, you know Japan, you, you know, when I was writing Way of Whiskey, there weren't that many new distilleries in, in Japan. Mm -hmm. Now, all of a sudden, boom. Uh, and they're coming from different angles. Some are converted, some are 
switching from shochu to, to to whiskey Tomorrow, somewhere. Yeah, you know, you know, yeah. some are new new distilleries, etc. But the pace of change has been remarkable. And I think the pace of thinking mm. has been remarkable as well. Mm. Uh, you know, but trying to keep up, you know, Scottish rye or Australian yeah. Australian bourbon or you know bourbon style whiskey coming from Australia. Yeah, you yeah. know, uh, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing what's happening, but. Uh, yeah, it becomes a, an interesting challenge for the writer. Yeah. But at the same time, when we talked to you last, it was a case of you've been in this, you've been writing about this industry for three decades, four, four decades? 33 and a third years. There you go. Uh, I didn't uh, quite on round the, up, round year. down. Yeah. Um, well, you know, it's good. It's right. the same speed as good vinyl. Uh, but, how, but how remarkable <laughs> that there's always something new to be writing about, right? Yeah. Like, even in the two years since we last spoke yeah. to you, there's new projects, there's new yeah. ways of thinking, there's new conversations to be had. Yeah. That, that seems remarkable. Yeah, but, 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 <laughs> but, but, you know, life is about change. You know, you, like, you, things never stay the same. You know, it's constant movement. You know, the, the pace of movement has been faster than we anticipated. Mm. But, good God, it would be incredibly boring if it was still the same old shit. Mm, right. You know? Right. No, uh. we, 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 quote, <laughs> we quote Heraclitus around here a lot. That ah. Change, yeah. change is the only constant. Yeah. Right? There, there we are. You know? Yeah. I, I had one final question. Objection. <laughs> Your Honor, your, your husband, your father, your whiskey writer... When you're not doing those things, <laughs> what, like what, what excites what excites Dave Broom? What do, what do you do? Is it is is it is it music? Is it hiking? Like what what are some of the other things that you're like? Yeah, I just need I, a I, break. I, I, yeah, I, are right? you actually a human being? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah like <laughs> when you spend your time as a human being, Dave. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, actually, those things. You know, I, I remain a music obsessive, uh, no. so. So that, that that that's an yeah that's a really important part of my life you know I, I, I love that and yes and I, I do go out walking and hiking you yeah. know well I live in the south coast of England but there's a national park just behind us and, okay. which is essentially just a big ridge and okay. you can just walk for miles and miles and you know not see many people and yeah, yeah and and that's glorious uh, yeah. so yep yeah, so I I do that yeah you know, the, those are kind of the two the two big things I yeah. do other stuff yeah. but you know. I eat food. I, I cook. Oh, right. uh, wait, wait a second. Yeah. You eat food, Dave? Yeah. Food? Well, yeah. He said he cooks meth. I cook? Oh, meth. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I do have a life out with whiskey. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Love the fact that you're, you're basically trying to convince us that you're a functioning human being. We just ended up in the... Um, what the skirning test? Like, not skirning, skirning. But yeah, I mean, part part of the reason I ask is you were talking about incorporating music and musicians sure, in, sure. into uh, into some of your tour, and I think back, like you know, this two and a half years where we were living through COVID, and the thing that killed me the most was not being able to go out and see live yeah. music. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And now that live music is back, it's this. For me, it's this place in my soul that it's this hole in my soul that's been filled mm. once again. Yeah, yeah. And I was just curious if if you're experiencing the yeah, same. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's just great to yeah. be able to to go out to gigs again and yeah. and support these guys because you know it's tough. Yeah. You know, it's really tough for musicians these days. You know, because of spe- streaming and Spotify and yeah, you know, yeah. you know yeah. all of that. You know, trying to make a living out of it. So yeah, support 
Well. All right, support, support your local helicopters. There we are. Yeah. That was the Skywriter that I ordered yeah. for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, dear listeners, purchase A Sense of Place. Yes. Words by Dave Broom, photographs by Christina Kernahan. Dave, thank you. It's been an absolute treat. Great to see you again, guys. Yeah, Great likewise. to see you. Yeah. Wonderful likewise. to see yeah. you in person. Can't wait for your fifth time on One Nation. <laughs> in 2027. <laughs> Cheers. All right. Cheers. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you. Sincere thanks to Bill Thomas and the team at Jack Rose for opening mm-hmm. their doors to us and allowing us to spend additional time with Dave before his tasting. Of course, sincere thanks to Dave for his time Mm -hmm. before that tasting he was about to do. (laughs) And as we said before we we started the interview, in our lead-in, his tasting was excellent. And Mm -hmm. the stories he went on to tell about a sense of place were captivating and... I, I don't believe I can plug this book too much. Please go and buy a copy. It's a book about Scotland. It's written by Dave, of course. It's photographed by Christina, of course. It's a book about Scotland, and Scotland is absolutely majestic in this book. And as a very proud Scotsman, I want all of you listening around the world to see the majesty of Scotland. So I really mean it when I say I, I, can't, I can't pimp it enough. I can't recommend it enough. Go get a copy. Wow. Those are, those are some seriously strong words. And I stand by everyone. You know me, Joshua. I'm not a, I'm not a man of strong words un- unless it's 59 degrees Fahrenheit on the <laughs> centigrade scale. But in this instance, I stand by every one of those strong words. Nobody spending their money on this book will be disappointed by the money they have spent on this book. And you know you're talking to Canny Scott, who has spent his own money (laughs) on copies of this book. Yes, he has. Yes, he has. As well as having, you know, know, promotion copies, um, I have also reached into my own pocket. So I stand by all my words. Do you know that song... um Oh jeez, I think it might be Lionel Richie. Maybe it's maybe it was Lionel Richie was when he was in the Commodores, right? This is when, a long ass title. Okay, when it was this is, this once, is like Fiona Apple's album. Twice, three times, my lady. That song I can't sing today. I, re- I really apologize to, <laughs> to Timothy to Tim yeah, Gallagher. Tim has <laughs> has tuned out. He has Let's turned see. off his radio. Let's try this once. Twice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you didn't need the Jason version in there. (laughs) There have been a few people who've been on the podcast, not once, not twice, but three times, milady. And this time around, it's once, twice, three, nay, four times, my Davey. Dave Broom has been... What? Oh, my gosh. If I had a time machine, I would go back to the very beginning of this podcast and beg you not to mix alcohol with over-the-counter pharmaceutical remedies. Mistakes have been made this day. Like Ozzy Osbourne, I am flying high again. This is amazing. (laughs) Flying high again. (laughs) 
Dana, Dana, Dana. The train I, I, theme I. continues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so we've had Mark Watt three times on here, I think. And there have been maybe one other person we've had three times. You've maybe got me James, thinking. Would it, would it have been James Wills? I know Kilholman as a distillery has Had, been a focus at least three times. At least three times, yeah. That's that's a good point. Um, Maybe Anthony twice and James once? And Maybe James David, twice, Anthony once? And David Sturk has been on three times, twice solo and then once with Mark, Mark okay. Watt to discuss Electric Coup. Okay. Um, but okay. but no one has been on our podcast. Nobody. Four times. Nobody. With the nope. exception nope. of Mr. Dave Broom. Yeah. I was surprised by his answer that he still has professional goals after achieving this. <laughs> I think you've you've reached the pinnacle, right? This is the zenith. Yeah. 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 Master of the Quake, you know, globally renowned whiskey author knowledgeable, brought in by various brands and, and conglomerates to educate staff mm-hmm, mm-hmm. four times on One Nation Under Whiskey. Done. Close your doors. Hand your keys back in. That's it. Go on vacation. Yeah. Take take the rest of the day off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 achieved it. It, it really was nice having him on. You know, having Dave Broom on for, for the four times has been has been great, but there was that episode back in early 2021 when we mm-hmm. had we had him, we had Hansa Fringa, and we had uh, Michael Jackson's partner, Carolyn Smigalski, on to discuss Michael Jackson yep. and, and their, yep. their memories of him and some of the stories about him. You know, it's, you know, each, each interview with Dave really has been great because I, I, I enjoy his his approach to writing. I like hearing his thoughts about whiskey and especially with this latest one, his, you know, it's more about Scotland and, and the connection to the land and whiskey happens to be um, that, that connective tissue. But then when you start, then when you talk with him and the others and they're discussing a dear friend, right? Yes. That's, there's, there's a, there was a certain warmth that came through in that interview and uh, I, I've gone back to it a, a few times just to just to hear them talk about Michael, and uh, I I know that you've done the same. A hundred percent, yeah. And, and even as we're kind of counting through Dave's appearances, like even the the episode that I kept referencing uh, from December of 2020, it was called "A Sense of Place." Mm-hmm. We, we were discussing yeah. the book in progress at mm-hmm. that point. Um, yeah, but before we move out of this little segment, I do want to give one more thank you to Liz Herman at Octopus Publishing. Mm, yes, she indeed. Was, she was the reason that we got the book in preview. She was the reason we got the interview scheduled as part of Dave's visit over yes. here. Yep. She was the reason we got the tickets to the tasting where we got to enjoy Dave's presentation. Mm-hmm. And the, the fact that she even made it down to DC for a portion of the day was really wonderful and an opportunity to say thank you to her in person. But I also want to give her that thank you in front of uh, our listeners who are clearly very important to us as and- well. And I think that it's, I, I like that you mentioned that, right? Because there's a bit of transparency there. 
that mm-hmm. we, we were there as guests, but I think mm-hmm. it's, it's really important. What you had pointed out before is despite us getting a preview copy, you have purchased copies of this book. I've purchased a copy of this book. I'm going to purchase another one as a gift. And so, yes, yes, we were guests, but we're, we're supporting this man with our dollars because we stand behind him. We stand behind the book. So, um, yeah, 100% Joshua, 100%. There. Yep. Yep. So there you go. Here endeth the lesson. So normally around this time, we would bring out the paper boy or we would maybe include a tasting or something like that. But you said you have a surprise for me. I had to close my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> well, be- before we get to that grand reveal, right. we you always ask me that question, is, is it worth waking the paper boy? And for what I'm going to say, it, it's not. Because I just want to slide this in for, for those of you in America who have been supporting our fourth woodcut bottling. Mm-hmm. And we've been sending occasional updates to those wonderful, wonderful single cast nation supporters. That release has now been bottled in Scotland. It has been labeled. It has been put in cases. It has been palletized. And hopefully by the time this episode drops, it will be on its way towards a plane to bring it to the United States of America. Amazing. We will be shipping out all those bottles to all those early supporters first. They will be getting a big thank you from us and immediate shipment from us. Indeed. We do have 50-50 bottles available for sale that will be going on our website after the early adopters have received, opened, tasted, enjoyed their bottles. But just something for those in the US to to look out for, uh, both those receiving bottles that they paid for Mm -hmm. and those Um, who maybe want to jump on it now that it will be available for a quicker turnaround. It was so nice seeing a picture of that bottle completed with the label on it, that the label was gorgeous. Which has been shared with the early adopters. Yeah. And and even that, what, what I love about this, so what I love about this is the fact that we have early adopters, the fact that people believed in this, bought into the pre-sell, understanding that, it could take a little bit to get the bottle. So, so absolutely, we, we thank them endlessly, profusely. But you've, absolutely, you've been drip feeding them little little things. Like, here's the <laughs> here's the cask. Here's what the color is. Um, and it's it's been a bit of a tease. And even that picture was a bit of a tease because you didn't get to see all of the label. You got to see a bit exactly. Of yeah. So exactly. Uh, yeah. Well, and, and I think for the early adopters, they're also getting a close up look at the state of global logistics right mm, now. Mm-hmm. And I include in that label production, label shipment, you know, bottling times, labeling times, 
you know, <laughs> the opportunity to actually get it palletized and get it towards a plane for, mm-hmm. for air freighting to the US. Everything is taking a long time. And even when we've said this is going to take time, it's taken a little longer and they're getting to experience that. So hopefully they're they're enjoying the the added value of holy shit, this is a difficult time to be in the whiskey industry and get things bottled and shipped to America. Yes, yes it is. You're welcome. <laughs> More than happy to show you that side of proceedings. <laughs> uh-huh. But now here we are. So so wonderful, wonderful news that that we're getting ever closer. Of course, now we move into Thanksgiving and the holiday season and uh, we will be shipping it just as quick as we are possibly able. Speaking of Thanksgiving, before we go into your big surprise and your, your grand reveal, I just want to remind the listeners that Haida and I are going to be traveling down to Virginia to enjoy Thanksgiving dinner with the Johnston Yellens. Very and much so. And this is part two of the podcast spousal takeover or the spousal podcast takeover or the takeover <laughs> of the podcast by the spouses. Um, and so if you have any questions that you want our wives to ask us, or this may be even more interesting. If you have any questions that you want us to ask our wives, please do email them in questions at one nation under whiskey, whiskey, of course, spelled without an E or info at singlecastnation.com. Uh, y- you have until really the the Wednesday before Thanksgiving to get the question in, but we urge you to send them in quickly because uh, it'd be nice to have them sooner. So you don't forget. So we don't forget. So send them on in and we'd be, uh, we'd be happy to include them if we could. That's excellent. I'm looking forward to the four of us getting a, a little bit of booze and uh, having a wee chitty chatty. Yeah. So, are you going to be leaving out the the little fishbowl again for our, for our keys, like you did last time? If I have to pull your keys out again, I will not be playing that game. <laughs> Perfect transition. <laughs> <laughs> I will also say this, as you're talking about Thanksgiving uh, and we're talking about the festive season, we have worked diligently to put uh, excess bottles on our website Mm -hmm. so that people can go on any time, day, night, day of the week, place orders, get $15 flat rate shipping to their front doors. Please, please support us. Please go online. Please pick up your bottles. You will see American single malt. You will see... Bourbon. Bourbon. You will see... Indian peated single malt, Swedish single malt in new charred oak. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's there's some good offerings up there. That we've also got our seventy five dollar, fifty three point five percent three barrels of bourbon combined with one barrel of rye, mm-hmm. which is unbelievably delicious, oh and gosh. we will be drinking yes. a lot of that a when you're here for Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. Okay, so with all of that said, we're, we're going to do a little game here. We were going to taste our fourth and final offering mm. from our friends at Blind Barrels, mm-hmm. but your, your cold and cough has kind of kicked that one out of touch. Yeah, yeah that's, and, that's a good point. And, and so I have, I have pivoted to a little guessing game that does not, even though he's been mentioned in this episode previously, does not involve Michael Jackson. All right amazingly 
you mentioned this book earlier in today's episode oh. without knowing that this is what I secretly pulled off of my shelf for me to play this little game with. Caligula? <laughs> Could you insert a needle scratching across a record <laughs> sound effect at this juncture? Oh, my Lord, that was unexpected. Um, I have I have not... I've not practiced these paragraphs and they give the game away multiple times. All right. So All right. so I will I will try uh, to do my best here. But the book mm-hmm. is 101 Whiskies to Try Before You Die by Mr. Ian Buxton. That is so funny. That's <laughs> hilarious. I cannot believe you <laughs> uttered this name, <laughs> this author, and and book. Is that is, is that the new edition? Remarkable. Is that his revised edition? This is not. No, okay. this is this is from way back in the day. And again, this was a preview uh, edition of this book. Uh, yeah, I'm showing copyright 2010, first published in 2010. But because you're a little bit under the weather, I wanted to to play the guessing game with you, okay. since you can you can still use your head brains, <laughs> even if you even if you can't use your your mouth tongue, um, and your your face nose. So here we do. Can I use my anus rectum? Rectum anus. You can't help yourself. You can't help yourself. <laughs> so let's see. Let's see if I can get through this without giving the game away. Right. I'm not even going to tell you the position. In 101 whiskeys, I'm going to have you guess the position um, as you work out what the what the whiskey is. And I'm going to continue referring to it as a whiskey. Okay, so it just to be clear, I have to guess the specific whiskey. Yes. And not just the distillery, but the specific whiskey from that distillery. Okay. Yep. You okay. need to tell me this, this whiskey at okay. this position right. in the 101. At the, oh, wait a second. Are you mentioning the numerical position, or I also have to guess which I'm guessing? You're guessing. You're guessing the numerical position after you guess the whiskey. Okay, final question for you. Does Because it's been a while since I've, since I've thumbed through, through the book. Does, he, <laughs> does, does Ian list out the bottles as... Number one is the most important one of the 101 we should try. I wish he did. Yeah. I really wish he had, because I would love to see who scraped in at 101st position. Yeah, those Um, poor people. It is alphabetized. Ah, okay. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. Really, really you're just guessing the number for for my... my Hey, I got 26 chances. (laughs) Hold on. Well, there's 26 no, you, letters in the alphabet, and so I have to figure out how that works into the 101 Dalmatians of whiskeys that we got going on here. Congratulations on quickly overthinking this. Here we go. Let's let's cut to, to Mr. Ian Buxton here. Mm-hmm. What's this doing here? You may well ask, since it seems to be that the owners clearly don't care. Blank appears to be the unloved and it would seem unwanted run of the litter in the blank stable. Wow. Those, those two blanks yeah. are not the same word. Okay, okay, that, that answers the... All right, so it's... 
blank, and then blank. Okay. All right. So um, I'm thinking maybe parent company and then a range that that parent... Okay, go on. But they haven't killed it off with neglect and disinterest, nor have they managed to sell it to someone who would lavish on it the tender, loving care that it so evidently deserves. Parenthetical comment. Though, as we go to print, there are unconfirmed rumours that it's being offered for sale. So it may be in new hands by the time you read this. Close parenthetical comment. Hmm. Okay. I'm going to blank something here that may or may not work out. I I don't think it will work out, but I'm going to blank it anyway. The blank Mm -hmm. has been around for years. Parenthetical comment. Mm Mm-hmm. I have seen a very lovely pre-war decanter in a Highland shooting lodge. Really, this whiskey's natural habitat. Close parenthetical comment. Hmm. The whiskey is subtle and complex, though relatively light-bodied. Whiskey that has quietly attracted admirers among informed drinkers. It's entirely irrelevant, but it also has a great label. Just thought I'd mentioned it, as it marks you out as a drinker of taste and discernment, capable of looking beyond ritzy packaging to timeless elegance. More importantly, it is fantastic value. Final Mm. paragraph. Okay. That might explain the owner's reluctance to push sales. With this... uh, Hold on, I'm just parsing out what I can and cannot say here. (laughs) Okay, I'm editing along the way here. The price is simply too low if it becomes a success, especially given the cost of building a brand. So get in fast, fill your boots. This can't last and you need to get some while you still can wow Wow. oh that's good that is you're going to be i'm not going to say that so let me ask you that's really good yes sir did his (sighs) did his prophecy that he doth foretell told told come true i don't know you don't know all right. Okay. Oh, that, well. You, yeah. I'm not going to say that either. Let me give you tasting notes okay. while you're while yeah. you're thinking here. I'll, yeah. I'll buy you some time while I read these tasting notes. Mm-hmm. Color. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pale <laughs> and interesting. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Isn't that an interesting combination? Yeah. Pale and interesting. Okay. Nose. Yeah. Fresh and floral. With the blank influence evident, pears and grassy notes, very elegant. Taste, a very well-balanced, well-mannered whiskey. Just a hint of smoke covering delicate perfumed notes, fresh fruit and hazelnuts. The finish. Mm-hmm. 
subtle and delicate. <laughs> a rapier of a whiskey, but with a killer edge of spice, chocolate, and toffee. Rapier. So I've got a guess. Uh, so, th- so there are a few things going on here that I that I found to be hints. Mm-hmm. Hint number one were the first two blanks, where mm-hmm. it was this this mm-hmm. blank and part of this range. So to me, it's like a parent company who owns a range of single malts. Okay. Okay. Can I let me reiterate it for our listeners? Yeah, please. Blank appears to be the unloved and it would seem unwanted runt of the litter in the blank stable. Yeah. And then it mentioned Highlands. So it, that has me whittle it down, right, that, to a specific region. And then after that, the delicate smoke. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and so I have an initial guess that I feel very confident Oh, I love it. I, you know, me and the listeners love, <laughs> love your confidence. But Always. Part of the reason why I have a bit of confidence about it is quite often co- companies that own a range of distilleries don't rely on that distillery as a single malt product. Rather, they rely on it to to fill a blend that they own, right? That's really okay. what, what okay. rings the cash register, as okay. you will. And so if it is who I think it is, it's for okay. a blend that I think could also use a bit more love, especially here in the States. Maybe it's more popular in UK, Europe, um, and, mm-hmm. and, and elsewhere, just, you know, ROW, the rest of the world, not the U.S., and this distillery, when they put out their single malt, it tends to be lighter. They're tending to use refill bourbon. So mm-hmm. I would say... Mm-hmm. <laughs> God. With, with confidence, let's reiterate. Yes, with, with, with confidence. With great confidence. Uh-huh. It seems to me that it is Beam Suntory's ownership of Ardmore, that is a peated highland, that was always a great value and you could buy their single malt like it was the Ard- Ardmore traditional I think it was back in 2010 you could buy that for 25 bucks a bottle mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like your reasoning it was it was pale it had subtle peat the ABV could have gone a bit higher but it was a really nice dram completely overlooked so I may not be right, though I, I think I may be. I may not be right, actually, with your face. But I think, if anything, you should agree that my rationale is quite sound. I like your logic. I think it makes good sense that you're saying what you're saying. I will say in response to you that the whiskey in this position, in 100, 101 whiskeys to try before you die, is not a single malt. Ah, you know what? Okay, so I should have asked that, I guess. Oh, interesting. I guess, there you go. There was an assumption. Ah, okay. You know, the blank and the blank, you were right to see parent over child, but then you picked the wrong type of child. Okay, so it's a blend, so subtle smoke. Okay, so that, that has me... 
that has me ruling out the BNJ blend. The barley, nickel. Okay. What's, what's your reasoning for that? Because I never got any smoke in the BNJ blend. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to think what that smoky component would be. I mean, that was Glen Morangie, it was Glen Murray. I don't, th- and then grain, I don't think that they were putting any Ardmore, uh, sorry, Ardbeg in there, but maybe they were putting a couple drops in there. Hmm. It would have been one that I'd say fill your boots because it was such an overlooked blend. Oh, geez, maybe it is the BNJ blend. Um, so it's a blend. Okay, let me, can I ask for some hints? Absolutely. Fill your boots. Is the blend still around? I don't know. Have you had it before? Yes. Was I the one who gave it to you? Yes. Did I try to fool you with it? Not necessarily full, but it was taste this and tell me what you think. And then it was what do you think it might be? And you agreed that it was high quality, unloved, good price. Like everything it's, Ian said here, all right. <laughs> you, you, have, you have said. Um, so it really about, sounds like the BNJ blend then. Well... But without unless the smoke. Any, unless you've got any other ideas... Well, another idea is Black Bottle, but I would argue that Black Bottle during the during 2010, that's when it was in a bit of a downturn. It wasn't the the great bottle that it was. Well, and, and I would I would draw your attention back to this statement. I have seen a very lovely pre-war decanter in a Highland shooting lodge. Ah, really, this yes, whiskey's yes, 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 natural yes, yes. habitat. Right. Uh, that is definitely not Black Bottle. Yeah, definitely not Black Bottle. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. A pre-war decanter. All right. So when I think of the decanted blends I've had, VAT 69, but I don't think I've ever poured you black VAT 69. <laughs> God, this is so delicious to you, isn't it? <laughs> I just love it when the overconfident Joshua Hatton starts questioning everything. <laughs> but be- I'm very confident in my answer. Very confident. Nope, not a single malt. Oh, no. I want it. <laughs> <sighs> All right. I, 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 I'm trying to think of the times where I've introduced a blend to you blindly. <laughs> and the only time that comes to mind is this B&J malt, this B&J blend. But I don't know if... The history of it. So I'm going to fall on that one. I'm going to say, is it the B&J blend? Blank appears to be the unloved and it would seem unwanted runt of the litter in the Glenmorangie stable. (laughs) Bailey Nickel Jarvie, B-N-J to its coterie of dedicated fans. Wow. There you go, sir. There you go. I, I, never, I never try to pull something completely out of left field mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. you. And, and when I saw the, the book just fell open to BNJ when I was taking oh, wow. it off my shelf, wow. I was like, that's it. That's the one. You've poured it for me blind at your house. You have been an absolute champion of mm-hmm, this. Mm-hmm. 
And I thought those words would would resonate with you. So the fact that that little bit of smoke got mentioned, but listen to the nose, fresh and floral with the Glenmorangie influence evident, Mm -hmm. pears and grassy notes, very elegant, right? Like it's screaming B&J. And then that one place where he says, just a hint of smoke. And you're like, oops, okay, that's that's not B&J. Like that's out of the equation, right? Just a hint. In, which you and I've had this conversation with some of the Michael Jackson tasting. Yeah, notes. like with the imperial that he had right. at smokiness. Michael Jackson slides in that little bit of smoke, and you go, "Well, it's definitely not that because that I've never had smoke in it." These guys have got that occasional little hint of smoke, just throwing it, throwing it off. Yeah. So, yeah. So if it's the B of BNJ, where is this? What's its number in hundred and one? If it's the B of B and J, then I would argue. Well, okay, so this is that's interesting, right? So you've got your Ard Begs, you've got your Ard Moors, you've got your Akintoshans, you've got your. There's no Ardnaho, so that's easy. Yeah, uh, I don't think uh, that he would use the A in the Delphi. F to the Y to the I. Yeah. He has Black Bottle in here. Okay. I thought that was kind of interesting. Just saw it as I'm looking through the oh offerings. <clears throat> Would this be number six? Oh gosh, no, 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 no. Is it too? Am I too low or too high? Far too low. In a hundred. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thirteen. Getting warmer. Eighteen. <laughs> You're almost on fire. 19. You are correct. Hey, first time. First time. Yep. You have to go through Aberfeldy 21. Oh, yeah. Abelauer Abuna. Yeah. I probably shouldn't be naming this guy's orders. He's probably meant to buy the book. We probably shouldn't just be reading the book on air. But yeah, let's say that here's, here's the first three since I've given you the first two Aberfeldy 21 year old, Abelauer Abuna, and Amrut Fusion. Three crackers. Oh, gosh. I. I all three of those absolute crackers, no doubt about it. Yep. There you go. Yep, yep, yep. So, yeah, I, th- I thought BNJ would be perfect for that little game because it would give you a chance to say. So, the two questions you asked me that I was unable to answer because BNJ is, is still not on my radar did anything sell? And is BNJ still available? It's not still available. Yeah, I don't. I don't it think, has gone yeah, the way of the dodo. It didn't get a new dodo. owner. Just okay, gone. So, this, and, and so I, the sale of Glenn Murray really did in BNJ? Potentially. Potentially. I just, you know, it's it's a it's an LVMH thing, right? And like BNJ was never a luxury blend, right? And if you're going to go the the route of of luxury. I think LVMH has done what they can for luxury for Glenmorangie and Ardbeg. I, without an extreme overhaul, I don't know that you could luxury or premiumatize the BNJ blend. It was just the solid drinker with a lot of writing on the label. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Wine Searcher is not showing any bottles yeah. available in the United States. Yeah, I'd almost argue that that likely got put to bed somewhere in the 20-teens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. 
Do you have any unopened bottles no. that you managed to squirrel away? You've only got the the open that you poured for me. That's gone. That's yeah, gone I, also. Actually, wow, there's. I think you've you've got your memory scrambled a bit. I poured that for you in 2011 at Oren Moore. Oh, where so I poured that for you, and ah. then I did the Lafroy Gavulin pour. Yep, where I had yep, them yep. do the 50-50 of Lagavulin 16, yep, yep. Lafroy 18, and so that was my night of tricking you. Yes. Yeah. I, I recall that. Didn't we have um, Springbank Tokai cask that night as well? Yeah, we did. Yeah, and, and right, and that was, that at that time, that was the controversial one. That was the one where people loved it or hated it, and I thought that Man. was a cracker of a whiskey. Well, I am very pleased to say I have an unopened bottle of that, <gasps> thanks to you. Oof. That's, oh, that's right, that's right, I got you a bottle. Mm. Oh, yes, man. you did, thank yeah. you. Yeah. You're very welcome. <laughs> All right, so there you go. That was there you go. That was a little last minute pivot because of your your cold and cough. And so uh, sea bass blind barrels. We do still have to get to the the final sample uh, from all of you. Uh, we do still think of you all often, and I'm excited to get that that final one tasted with you, Joshua. Same. Same. Yep. Uh, and and see how we can embarrass ourselves on that day. <laughs> Well, uh, Jason, thanks to you for, for that. That was a lot of fun. Thanks again to to Dave Broom for allowing us to to record a fourth conversation with him. To everybody at Jack Rose and, and all of the good people that, that we met there, I'm not going to make a list, but you know who you are. <laughs> it would be a long, incomplete it would be, list. It would be a long, incomplete list. Uh, but it really was uh, a wonderful time and, and a good excuse to get down to D.C. again. Um, I mentioned before, I'll mention it again, we are going to be recording a spousal podcast takeover episode on Thanksgiving. So you have until the day before Thanksgiving to send in your questions, questions at onenationunderwhiskey.com, uh, info at singlecastnation.com, get those questions in. And, uh, and that's it, Jason, that's all I have. Do you have any more? Well, go ahead and feel better. Thank you. I'm trying. Go go nap, go rest, go combine more high-octane scotch with over-the-counter pharmaceuticals. Oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm flying high right now. But hashtag consume responsibly. Okay. <laughs> Cheers, everybody. Chin-chin.